I just thank you for the event that is awaiting them. Lord, I just thank you for the word that you're going to give me tonight. Lord, I thank you that um, that you've already prepared what it is that you want said tonight. Lord, and I just hope that I'll be a, a vessel that properly relays whatever it is that you want said. And I hope and pray that um, it comes out in a way to where it's soft and and your point is taken from it, Father. And, and I love you, and I thank you for your blessing on these tithes, Lord, that, that everything that's put in this bucket will just multiply and, and bring extra fruit to everybody's homes. And, Lord, we just thank you for this time together. In Jesus' name, amen. And thank you for touching Charles and Donna. So we're doing King's Kids. All right, Miss Penny, I meet y'all in the back. Thank you, Mr. Stephen. You worked really hard on this. All right, so I had this vision. I figured I'd go ahead and open up with the altar call. Anybody in here need to find Jesus? Is everybody in here saved? Yeah? All right. I wanted to get that out of the way because now we get to talk real Christian talk. We get to talk mature Christian talk. Um, not baby bottle talk. We talking, I'm fisting to talk, let's eat steak and meat talk, okay? Um, and if we, and it, if we're here for the right reasons tonight, that's why we came. We came to honor God and we came to hear what He has to say. Um, and being here, you've already kept one of His commandments because Hebrews 10:25 tells us that we shouldn't give up meeting together. We should stay in the habit of doing it because we're encouraging one another um, and we need to do it more as we see his day approaching. And as the preacher has been preaching on and teaching us on Wednesday nights about Revelation, we know that day is getting closer and closer. So it don't matter how many is in this group, we all have a job to do, and that's to encourage each other, take care of the people in our church, um, to be the best body of an example of church so we can go out and do what we need to do for him while there's still time. Um, so tonight I really wanted to encourage you guys in areas that I'm already passionate about. Andy Stanley, um, Charles Stanley's boy, I heard him say one time, he described passion as something that touches your heart. Um, it almost brings tears to your um, eyes when you when you hear it or you say the name of it. You know, for some people it could be child trafficking. It could be your grandkids. I mean, it could be Girl Scouts. It could be teaching. It could be adoption. It could be animals. You know, there's just so many areas that, that different people are passionate about. And um, for me, I hate seeing the enemy have victory in anybody's life. I, I've just been got to the point to where when I see it and I notice it in my own life, I get I have to stop so I don't get frustrated immediately <laughs> when I when I see when I when I see what he's fisting to do, you know. And if you're paying attention and you're studying and you're reading, 
you can see what's fixing to happen. You know when when you're fixing to get into a quarrel with your spouse, you already know that's a setup. How we respond is going to be that's how we do in spiritual warfare, how we fight. So um, I found a couple topics that before this opportunity even arose, the Lord had um, been been ministering to me and, and Holy Spirit had already encouraged me to write it down, write it down, write it down. So really all I had to do was just browse through all these notes that he's been giving me the last couple of weeks and um, just try to make sense of it. And, and it came together for me. It made sense for me. The first topic is confidence. Um, confidence is a very um, vital thing for us to maintain. Um, if we don't remain confident, we'll be in condemnation. Condemnation is what derails us. It's what gets us sidetracked. Um, in First John, John tells us, he writes his letter to us. He says, Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we keep his commandments and we do what pleases him. If we really allow God to, to cleanse our internal atmosphere, he can use us to shift an atmosphere wherever we go. Ask yourself, what are you bringing to the atmosphere? Are you fueling it or are you draining it? You know, I know for a fact that I've seen it, I've tried it, I've been in bad moods and walked in a room and I knew I was in a bad mood when I walked in that room and I could feel it change. I walked into a room and I knew I was happy and I knew I was going to love everybody in there and I've seen that happen. So we can change the atmosphere. And if our personality can change and God can hang out with us, you know, because he can keep like us when we're being ugly. He'll let us go on and do our own thing. But if he can go in that room with us and he can do what he wants and we're taking him in there, that's an awesome, that's an awesome thing because we've, we've brought him in. Um, and in that atmosphere, you have to ask yourself, are you constantly coming into that atmosphere, bringing something to it, or are you fueling it? Every time you walk in it, are you draining that atmosphere, you know? Um, because as a church body, we need each other. We need each other's strength and encouragement all the time. Um, and I found this cool that um, when I was talking about confidence, when I was on the subject of confidence, um, the story of Abraham came up. And, and it just dawned on me. That's the kind of faith that we're supposed to have. That's the kind of confidence we have to have, the Abraham kind of confidence. When he drew back to do whatever he was going to do to his boy. How much confidence did he have in their father, you know, before he went through that? You know, he built the altar. He arranged the wood. He bound his son to the altar on top of all that wood. And he reached out his hand, and he took the knife to slaughter his own son. And I just thought in that moment, that was confidence. He could, go, he could follow all the way through because he knew it wasn't going to happen. He could trust our father that much. So I just, I really think confidence... You know, if we spend more time studying, if we spend more time getting it, I'm not saying confidence in the way that we look. or That's a big part of it. Um, but that changes every day. You know, how we look, how we feel about ourselves, that changes all the time. You know, because I'm not talking about using it as an emotion. I'm talking about using it as a strength, you know, as, as a weapon for spiritual warfare. And that leads into this next subject that I think is pretty deep. Um I personally have had um, some victories in this area, and I'm still personally growing in this area, and that's the mission. But um, 
the amount of times that the Bible talked about submission is really great. So I thought I had wrote that down so I could give you a number, but um, it looks like I left that part out. But I think it was like over 50-something times. So I challenge you to spend some time um, in submission because submission has power to it. Uh, The definition from the Google Dictionary defines submission as um, the action or fact of accepting or yielding to a superior force or to the will or authority of another person. Submitting means putting others before you put yourself. I'll say that again. Submitting means putting others before you do yourself. It means not always doing what you want to do. It means putting God's desires above your desires, and it is crucial who we submit to and the heart behind it. Now, I don't know about y'all, but I've had to grow into that. I am growing into that because I like telling you what I think for a lot of many years. <laughs> you know what I mean? I like just, and you could process and do what you wanted to with it. You know, I just felt like you needed to know what I thought. But this submission thing and and this Christian lifestyle, it, there's no room for that kind of, um, there's no there's no room for that. I have to submit to you. I have to love you properly, you know. And I have to put you before me. I have to say, no, I'm not going to be ugly to you. I'm going to let you be the good guy. And it's the heart. It's not just, you know, how when you tell your kid to do something, all right, whatever, and they stomp off. Well, you know, God knows if our heart's like that. We might be mature enough not to have that body language anymore, but he knows if our heart's like that. And if our heart is like that, then what's the, you might as well just go ahead and do it. Just go ahead and be nasty. Because he's seen your heart be nasty. But I ain't recommend it be nasty. <laughs> just keep working on it. It's not condemnation. This is These are just everyday conversations that I think if we really want to see victory in more areas of our life, we'll, we'll focus on these and, and, we'll, and we'll see growth. I, I know I have. That's why this is dear to me because I feel like these are just some of the topics that um, I've benefited from. And even in James 4, 7. There's benefits to submit, he says. That only when we submit to God will the devil flee from us. We are then committed to God and we will be able to withstand any temptations of the devil. So committing to him is my help because I know who I'm committed to. I know what my job is and I know how to respect him. Um, and in Job, he refers to submit in Job 22:21. He says to submit to God and be at peace with him. In this way, prosperity will come to you. Prosperity could go a whole bunch of different ways and look different for a whole lot of people. You know, it could be your income. It could be your health. It could be, you know, um, relationship status. I mean, gaining in so many areas when, when we relax and we submit to him because we just have a better attitude and a better outlook. Um, here is the answer I was looking for. There is over 56 Bible verses on submission. Um, and just a side note, we should all be willing to give up, whether we're right or wrong. Um, being in control and being stubborn, it doesn't always pays off. And it usually don't even create an atmosphere of love or peace. And and that's our responsibility in this Christian walk is um, to create that atmosphere of love and peace. Am I going really fast? I think I am because I'm halfway through. 
I really thought I could talk about this forever. <laughs> um, this one, this next topic is pretty good. Um, this has been on my heart for a whole very long time. Um, and it's the importance of church. Um, it, the last few months, I, I've missed more church than I have in five or six years. You know, just putting putting family, you know, number one priority. And I can tell you, uh, it don't it don't take much of missing church for things just to get out of order. I mean, to get completely out of order. I mean. Um, if you've ever missed much church, you understand what I'm saying. And and when you get back, you understand the piece that was missing. You know, and our job is to come alongside of our brother and sister and help them remember why church is important. And when we're in church, to be an encouragement. You know, um, when we talk about church and other places, you know, don't let people hear you talking poor mouth or, or ugly about your church. You know, why is somebody going to want to come? You fussing about what the songs they play, the air, you know, how things function in it. Well, you know what? I definitely ain't coming to your church if you're doing all that complaining, you know. Um, so anyway, um, it's very important. Um, church is very important. Matter of fact, church was God's idea. That he wanted us doing all this stuff, you know, because it's the group of people. It's not the it's not the dwelling place that we're in. Destiny isn't the church. The one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten people sitting in here today, we church. Now we have a church because there's ten of us in here. Um, but church is God's expectations. It was His idea, and and Hebrews ten twenty five, like I said, He commands to not forsake assembly. He expects us to exhort one another um, so much more as we see the end times coming. And this can't be done if we choose to watch TV from home. This can't be done if we choose to be on the river. You know, I've, I've heard many a pastor say, before you ask for all these things and all these things, and you get them, and they usually don't do nothing but take you further away from God. You spend less and less time with Him. Um, so it's really important. And if people see us valuing church, going to church every time the doors is open, participating, you know, they might not never tell you, but they're watching. They know. They, they, see, they see what you think about what you talk about. And each, each member of the church, um, our participation and our attendance is, is it's a big deal. It's a big deal. Um, you know, like tonight, you know, the pastors done said, well, I've studied, but I mean any other Wednesday night or any other Sunday, you know, or foundations. When somebody studied, it's nice to have people there. You know, and that's a respect thing. That's an honor thing. You know, I'm so tickled pink that the pastor's doing this new sermon on honor because I think that's what's happening with the church. I think that's why you ride by more churches. They don't even have church on Wednesday night. They haven't church for one hour on Sunday now. You know, there's no youth groups. How is that benefiting the world now? The world don't look like it did when everybody was committing. You know, for years people would say, oh, you know, the preacher's just trying to scare you up something or whatever. Well, he must have been doing good. I think the attendance was a little bit bigger when I was a little girl, you know, now. 
Everybody tries to do it from home or do it on their own. But in Jesus' name, that's a past thing. I'm not even going to claim it or give that any power. I'm going to believe that, I'm going to believe that the people who call themselves Christians and, and believers um, get so full of the Holy Spirit and seeing the vision that God wants us to have and, and, and um, seeing the victory that he wants to have, that we all carry that passion around in us, every believer, every churchgoer, every Christian, um, and it becomes contagious, and it changes that atmosphere. You know, they want to talk about it. They want to invite people in. Here is a um, big girl conversation. If you're a dead church member, you weaken the whole vine. You weaken the whole vine if you're a dead church member. Pastor needs you. I need you. The people who sit beside you on Sunday need you. The people who greet at the doors, they need you. The people in the back who come ready to look after your kids, they need you. The cleaning crew needs you. The yards need you. And if you ain't available then and you've signed up to be with you're killing our group. I'm just going to tell you. You're killing the group. But don't worry. <laughs> That's grace. <laughs> That's goodness. <laughs> we'll, we'll get on that message. <laughs> but right now, we're we just going to talk about we really need more people bringing fruit. We need more people growing and producing more fruit right now. It is the end days. Um, and there is times when some of us have to spend more time with our family in other areas. But they should be a congregation full of enough of people to be there to support, you know. If I'm out, God forbid, I hope 75 other people ain't out. I mean, you know, we all got to come. If everybody had a bad day or a late night and didn't show up, I mean, that's just hurtful, you know. It's not showing. I'm going to stop. Um Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank God the pastor comes. Hey, and I thank God like Mr. Stephen. I mean, I don't even know where he went now. But I'm like, oh, my gosh, where's Mr. Stephen? You know, he showed up and he done it. But there's people that's important. But there's no reason why there shouldn't be other people in the church who can be counted on. It shouldn't be one person just getting burned out doing one job all the time. If you've signed up to be a Christian, if you've signed up to be a believer, God has one of his number one commandments. He ain't saying, you know, we get hung up on, well, I don't drink, I don't party, I don't do drugs, I'm not running around fornicating, I'm not doing all these things. But let's let's think about... He's, uh, <laughs> you know, it's more important these days to think about what are we doing as Christians? What are our weak areas? You know, and he commands, don't forsake yourself and get and coming together. You got to go to church. It was his idea. This ain't me making it up. That's what he said. If you're going to be a Christian, you got to come together. They, there's just certain protocol for being a Christian. Um, and coming to church, coming into the church house, there's leaders in here. There's our pastor in here. Them are the ones that we're supposed to submit to. Um, and we should be fueling them. We should be praying for them. Um, we should be lifting them up. They should be in our prayers just as much as, just as much as our own children, our own families. And don't put more demands on them than we would on ourselves. You know, whatever you think a leader should be doing, ask yourself if you was in that position, what would it look like? 
You know, I've said that plenty of times, you know, if you don't like, if I don't like something that's going on, and I think, well, what would this look like if me and David was doing it? If we was the pastor's wife in the church, what would it look like? (laughs) If you knew us, you would be laughing right now. (laughs) It would be a little unorganized. But thank God he didn't call us to do that. But, um, yeah, so I think we need to recognize demands and, and, and what we want out of our leaders and and if if that's what if that's the vision we have, you know, and it ain't always something I picked up this book here a little over a year ago and it's how to help your pastor succeed. And one of the things in there is we don't have to take everything that we think the pastor should be doing to him every Sunday. You know, we don't have to try to influence him because I mean we all human and we know if we have our mindset on something and we have three or four other people start giving us opinions, well, then it may weigh us down or cause us to waver a little bit. You know, that should be the last thing we would want to do for our pastor is to waver his agenda or waver what he's heard from the Lord. Um, you know, bring peace to him and encourage him and pray. And every time we pray, like I said, we, we, God's given him something for us. You know, he's delivering a message to him. I mean, you might leave one Sunday and think, God, I got nothing out of it. And then the next person, oh, that was all for me. You know, I just know that's how our Father works. He'll use him to talk to us. Um, Then one of the next things kind of ties all this together is how are you marketing church? Um, And the benefits of coming together. You know, do you share the good times? Do you share when... um, do you share when your pastor's loving on you? Do you share the gifts your secret sister gives you? Do you share, um, you know, this other man came up and shook my hand and made me feel valued today? Or then the kind of conversations do you share? Or do you just leave thinking, oh, nobody talked to me, nobody spoke to me, nobody hugged my neck, you know? Um, how how are you marketing? How are you making church look? And, and that's to the people in here and the people out there. You know, when the preacher's preaching, um, are you taking notes? Are you paying attention? Are you giving him your attention? Because somebody's looking around. They're paying attention to what you're doing. You know, especially if it's a new person or a visitor or a lost person. You you know, you need to recognize, or we should recognize. I know I'm doing a lot of you need to and all this, and, and I'm not at a place where I'm above any of this. I'm sharing this straight from my heart because it's definitely areas where I'm familiar with it. I'm walking through it. You know, a lot of this, I say, I've been in church my whole life. I'm 40 years old. Been in and out of church my whole entire life. But what I will tell you is I'm about five or six years old in Christ. That's about how many of my years I've really been doing this, really been doing this for real, real, and and been intentional, you know. Um, but I had a very good example. I mean, my mother's, she's definitely given me, an awesome example. Thank you, Mama. Um, this is pretty deep. Um, um, I love encouraging people. And I've seen in this book, um, I'm just going to read this to you real quick. Um, it said, Do you know the most profif- prolific method of evangelism in America today? It's called encouragement evangelism. And it's simply offering to pray with a person who is facing a struggle or is in need of some kind of encouragement or support. 
instead of referring to um, unbelievers or sinners, um, this man named Steve, he refers to them as pre-Christians or not yet Christians. Um, Those are faith statements in themselves. It means they are not yet believers, but they shall be one day. Boy, now what if we could, what if we could witness to people? What if we could see people acting their worst in their flesh, and we was like, oh, there's a pre-Christian. There is a pre-Christian. They're just waiting on me, and I believe with my whole heart because I'm I'm past coincidences at 40 years old. I believe with my whole heart that if your eyes got to see it. It might be your responsibility. Well, maybe not your responsibility, but I believe you'll have accountability for how you deal with that situation. And you know what? Yes, we all miss the mark. And the sooner you learn the difference in condemnation and conviction, your life will be easier because condemnation says you mess up, you miss the mark, you're never going to get it right. Conviction says, you know what? I appreciate I'm paraphrasing. (laughs) Tanya Swain. Conviction to me is God saying, hey, you know what? I appreciate you showing up to try. You keep relying on me, girl, and we're going to get this thing right. We're going to get it right, I promise you. I, you know, my daddy, <laughs> my daddy, my my earthly daddy, you know, he's gone. But he was a, you know, he called me big girl. And, and I like to think that's what Jesus said. We're going to get this right, big girl. You keep doing it. And, and that's my hope, you know. And I love that. So, I mean, if you walk away from here tonight, please take that pre-Christians with you. You know, just look at everybody as a pre-Christian. It would make them a whole lot easier to look at. You won't see you won't see the sin. You won't see the ugliness. You'll be able to see, you know, have a, and I challenge you, even after you walk away from them, go home and have a vision for them. Intercede for them. You know, see them living God's best life. See them on a worship team somewhere. See them teaching a children's ministry somewhere. See them you know, leading young kids to the Lord. You know, see them um, in a chain breakers meeting. Anything, you know, go ahead and intercede for them. And everybody has, a ordin- uh, has a special, unique style of doing things. And I know I do. But there was another um, little insert in this book that I really like. Um, and it was talking about some great evangelist. Now, I'm all these people, y'all might know them. Charles Finney says he was just a lawyer. Um, D.L. Moody, he was never ordained. This is a really old book, so I'm assuming. But I did recognize Smith Wigglesworth. He was a plumber. All these men um, ended up having these big crusades for the Lord. They just started out like us. Um, uh, one of these men um, that was simple... Just like us, he had a very unique method of soul winning. And I loved it because uh, he used an interesting and comfortable approach that led thousands to Christ. He said, Dr. Walker would meet someone, perhaps a waitress, and then he'd say, you're a really nice young lady. Where do you go to church? Typically, he'd get the answer, well, I, I, I don't go to church. And then he'd reply, well, I'd sure love to see you at our church this Sunday and I'll save you a spot and they would come and then he had the opportunity to win to Christ. Something that simple at dinner, you know, uh, I'll say it again. He just asked him, where did you go to church? He didn't have a long speech. 
He didn't draw it out, you know. So if you don't already have a way that you can talk to people, you know, I challenge you to ask God, give you a one-liner. You like that, you know, just give you a one-liner where you can just invite that conversation in. It's not awkward. It's not weird. You know, because we we got to be careful not to make look uh, to make God look goofy, you know. And I'm probably guilty of that a few times here and there. But he usually gets me out of them situations pretty good, too. I, I give him credit for that. But, um, it, yeah, seriously, just ask for a one-liner, and he'll give you something. Because if we go through every day and we don't share God with nobody, if we just go to work, if we just go home, we're going to get burned out. We're going to we're, we're going to fill a void, and that's because he created us to to need each other, to be together, to habitate together. So we have that desire in us already, but over time and, and emotions that 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 gets pushed down where people are uncomfortable talking to other people. They don't feel safe, or um, they, they're just not comfortable being vulnerable. And you know what? If that's ever you, let me know, and I will intercede for you, and I will pray for you hard. Until, until. Um, and with all this, um, this brings God honor. And that's why we should do it. That is the most important reason why I'm having any of this conversation tonight. It's because that is my biggest heart um, in being a Christian is to bring my father honor. I don't believe that I'm going to have to wait till I get to heaven to hear a job well done, child. I believe at the end of every one of my day, I want to hear and feel that peace when I go to sleep. Job well done today, child. And don't mean I've saved ten people, you know, I've witnessed to ten people, but it means I showed up through my day. I resisted the urge to bite my husband's head off and, and, and slander him a hundred times or, or be slow to anger. And, and you know what? I am human and we are working on it. <laughs> I was saying he's still working on me all day, every day, forever, probably. You know, I probably won't ever outgrow that song. But it brings God honor when we accurately um, reflect his character. And so that's why I say this is a big girl conversation because it's time to, to quit making excuses. We have an accountability. The Word tells us we're supposed to go from the bottle to the meat. You know, and that don't come just because the pastor, well, the pastor ain't taught on it. That don't matter. There's pastors on radios. There's pastors on Google. There's pastors on TV. What are you listening to when you ain't sitting here? How are you spending your time? Are you listening to somebody? Are you hungry? You know? Um, And another big thing is um, learning to think peacefully and joyfully. That can change the atmosphere. That can be a big atmosphere changer. Learning to think peacefully and joyfully. Um, and in foundations, if you missed this little nugget Sunday, I'll give it to you. Every thought has a sponsor. Every thought we think has a sponsor. Who is sponsoring our thoughts? Um, and that will probably determine how our day plays out. Um Honor, it originates in our heart, and it refers to the value that we personally place on something or someone. We are commanded to honor others based on their position, not their performance. Parents, elders, leaders, 
property owners? I'm going to say that again. We are commanded to honor others based on their position, not their performance. And so many times, it's so easy to say, they're not living the right life. Or you'll hear people say, well, they're on a higher pedestal than we are. They're supposed to do better or be a better example. Well, you honor them because of their position, not their performance. Because look here, out of 50 days, if they got if they slipping on the 39th day, you know, you, you can't really sum up their whole worth because that's what you've seen today. And the Bible and the Scripture tells us how we judge will be how we're judged. You know, the grace that we have for other people is a grace that will be on our life. And I just shared that with uh, Gracie last night. We had a parenting subject come up. And her and David, David kind of cuts up with her a little bit. So it gets crossed up between playing and parenting. And I had to sit down and have that heart talk with her and, and let her know, hey, you a good girl. But respect, that's your daddy. It don't matter what he was doing at the time. His performance don't matter. He's still daddy. And I think that's, that's just something that we need to um, preach to our kids, you know, we have so many kids that go to church and they're just, I mean, that, well, they'll come to church or they'll go to school and they won't respect people because, well, if she walks around acting like this, how do you want my kid to respect her? I ain't going to make my kid respect somebody who don't respect herself. We're not sending out good vibes, and I think that's, that's one of the things that's um, contributing to this, um, this entitlement area, era that we that we're seeing happen, you know, because everybody's thinking if they're not going to show and respect, my kids don't have to respect them. And so what what line will you be able to make that not valid for your kids? You know, where you say, well, that changes by the time you get 15 or 16. you got to quit thinking like that. Or, you know, by the time you get 21 or 22, you need to start respecting people. Well, if it's not something that's taught throughout their whole life, they're not just automatically going to learn to respect humans. Um, but yeah, just to um, to recap, um, I think seeing the the pre-Christians, the way our daddy does, I think that brings him so much honor and so much glory. And if we started that just tomorrow, you know, how how easy would it be to love people? How easy would it be to speak to people, no matter how ugly they are? I remember. Um, Several, probably ten years ago, um, when we was when we had the pawn shop, this lady came in and boy, she was. I was on one side of the room, she was on the other, and she was just really rude. She was like, "Come here now, I want to look at this," and she was giving me a really hard time. And this was before my five or six years old in Christ. This was, this was, say, this was. Carry on. Uh, but I, in that moment, you know, I guess Holy Spirit's always been with me. Um, I know He has. But in that moment, I was like, you know what? What's the challenge right now is to go over there and sell her a ring. Even though she's being ugly and looking to stir up a fight with me or a fuss with me, confrontation with me, I'm going to sell her something today. And I did. I, I, I flipped my brain right then from giving it back to her. And I went over there and I got her money. You know what I mean? I got her money. You know, that was my job to do. But all because my attitude swapped 
because of her personality. You know, if I would have let my person, I ain't going to say I passed every test, but I did pretty good on that one, and, and I, I, I'm getting really good at some more. But, um, and I think that's such a um, praise report for our own self, whether somebody else gets to hear it or remember to share it on Wednesday nights, because I'm just going to believe that's what happens on Wednesday nights. People can't remember, because I know God shows out all week for all of us. But that um, that we'll start seeing the interchange. You know, we'll start seeing things change. We'll start seeing a, a little bit more passion towards the things of God putting more time into our own Bible study, putting more time into calling and checking on people, you know, putting more time. Whether you call anybody, you know, you can go to bed and lay there and do a countdown of the people who sit around you at church, you know, and just intercede for them. And then, you know what, whether anybody knows it or not, you pray for them. And when you see something awesome happen to them or they give a praise report, you know, there's a little piece in your heart saying, you know what, thank you, God, for putting them on my heart. I want to see, do it again. Do it again, God. You know, and then I'm going to pray for a bigger group of people the next time. You know what? Because it brings me great joy to see God showing off in people's life, to see Him doing awesome things for other people. And if you're praying for Him, I guarantee you, you will be just excited when you see awesome things happening to Him. You know, and their family members, their kids, their husbands, their spouses. Um, And how and how there's another story in here. I just 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 come to my brain. Um, I remember reading this in here. It was um, a lady always came to church with just by herself, and um, and one day, after years and years and years, her husband showed up and come to church with her. And one of the men in the church walked up when the wife went in there, and he was like, "You should be ashamed of yourself. Your wife sitting in church all these years by herself. I'm glad you finally decided to come." He didn't come back. You know, so, um, unlike me, be very careful in your words, (laughs) you know, because how we minister to people, you know, because she has probably been praying a very long time for her husband to come and sit beside her. I know she has. If she kept doing it, she was praying for her husband. So, you know, when we minister to people, don't be scared to do it because you're going to do it wrong. Just... Take a second and ask the Lord to help you and help you with your words, but still do it. Encourage, you know. Go encourage that husband that you hadn't seen with that wife because I tell you what, once he feels comfortable, he'll keep coming back. And just in my five or six years of of being here at Destiny and, and, and maturing, I've seen that many, many times where spouses have come in and and um, and kept coming because they was made to feel loved. So as as you move forward, um, I think these are just a few things that's really important to me that um, I felt like the Lord gave me the opportunity to share with you guys and whoever will listen to it from here on out to just keep in our, just keep in our brain and, and keep remembrance that this is how we honor God. This is how we show Him respect. This is, this is what we signed up for today. This is how we bear our cross. We just love people regardless if we think they deserve it or not, um, you know, whether they come to church or not, you know, treat them like they're somebody that you just sat beside last Sunday. Do everything we can in our power to love on somebody while they're in our presence. Um, and I'll share this. This is uh, pretty personal, kind of. Um, last Thursday or Friday, 
I was um, at the car light, and um, a man walked in, and um, he was interested in a vehicle that we had, and uh, I got his driver's license from him, made a copy of it, and and I'm new, so I know this had to be the Lord. I just happened to look at the expiration date, and I seen it was expired. So I knew right then I couldn't leave to drive the vehicle because his driver's license wasn't any good. So, and I could tell his color didn't look good, and um, I said, so what caused you to let your uh, driver's license lapse this long? He said, well, I've been in the hospital. And uh, I said, heart problems? Because the color and the way he looked, it just took me out. I just felt like that's what it was. And he said, yeah, and he explained what a miracle it was for him to be sitting there because all three of his valves was completely stopped up. How they even let him go from the hospital, he don't even know. Um, but he was fixing to start um, doing some um, treatments down in Charleston where they was going to put an artificial valve in, and that and that would beat for him. Well, it got, time, you know, 30, 45 minutes. I mean, he was in there with me. David came in, and, and David and I both shared with him. Um, we got our anointing oil out, and we asked, could we pray for him? And uh, and uh, and that was it. And yesterday, David uh, just happened to pick up Facebook, and immediately the first thing he seen was that man's face. Not even knowing this lady was our friend, his daughter, she posted, a horrible accident just happened, and her daddy died. And... Uh, David just kept last night, oh, my gosh, we just seen this man. We just prayed for him. We prayed for his healing, and we believed. That's how I know. I don't I don't know what God did, you know, and I, and I told David, I said, you know, praying with him could have brought him peace for that day. Praying with him could have tenderized his heart that day. I don't know what that looks like, but I know he was in our presence, and I don't doubt that we did the right thing by loving him and praying on him. You know, um, that's right. And, and and so I know them are the kind of things when I say I don't believe in coincidences. I believe that every person in our space has a reason. You know, and there's scripture after scripture that says God has built the church. He's placed people in here strategically. He knows who's in here. He knows what gifts exist in here. They're not operating them. It ain't because he didn't give it to us. It ain't because the pastor didn't open up the door for us to come and do it. We're not using them. We're not flowing in them. And, and it's not for us. It's for somebody whose day of living time could be up very soon. And, and, and that's what I'm passionate about. I'm, because we all have something to do. You know, there's some little kid who don't feel worthy. There's some woman who don't feel loved. She don't feel pretty. What would it hurt to love her? What would it hug to hug her neck? What would it hurt? You know, and the more we do it, I promise you, if somebody else sees you being nice, you're going to change that atmosphere. And if you don't believe it, go to Walmart with me. We'll do it. We'll do it together. I promise you. And we'll all pray for a good day to do it all. But anyway, um, I hope I've said something to encourage you. I hope I've said something that... um, was worth you showing up tonight and being dedicated to listen. And I don't just say thank you for coming to hear me. I say thank you for coming for our pastor and Miss Stacy. You know, 
we could all went anywhere any Wednesday night and, and done a bunch of different things. But to be here to bring our kids, to keep coming back, to keep trying to do life together and be Christians together is a huge thing. So I say thank you to each one of you. And I want to encourage you to go out and 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 find pre-Christians. Um, so with that, I'll end and I'll wrap us up in prayer. Anybody got anything they want to add or share or good example of that, Mom. <laughs> even when I, even times I'm not able to do it, Mama, Mama shows me how. And and no, we ain't not always going to achieve everything always. But you know what? There's somebody <coughs> who needs our example. There's somebody who needs to see we're growing. You know, somebody who knows where I would have been five years ago, where I'm at now. So don't ever be scared or think that you got it right or I'm ready or I'm prepared because you will never have it all together and be comfortable enough to just do all the things God wants us to do and expects us to do every day without no hesitation. But I love each and every one of you. We good? Everybody really is safe.